Hi, welcome to Comeback, the show from Vietnam. I am always your host, Connor, and I delve into a wide variety of topics, including expat life, entrepreneurship abroad, personal well-being, and much, much more. If you enjoy, you can rate on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Apple for written reviews, Spotify for just the stars. That would be enormously appreciated, and I will leave the reviews in the show notes. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, just a quick word from one of the sponsors of this show. You know, I have lived in Saigon, Vietnam since 2019. One of the reasons why I have lived here so long is that I have found a selection of places that give me a home away from home feeling. One of these is the Shamrock Hoi An and Da Nang, based in the center of the country, but moving upwards to Hanoi and downwards to Saigon. The only place in Vietnam where you can get Guinness on draft. It is a unique Irish, authentic experience with culture, live music, food, and a direct atmosphere to the unique Western culture to be enjoyed by both expats and locals alike. Vietnamese, it's the perfect opportunity to experience this local culture and make friends with Westerners. For tourists, expats, those home away from home, it is a perfect place to explore your Irish roots. You can check out the links in the show notes and I highly recommend you check out the Shamrock, the Guinness and everything else that the bar has to offer. That's the Shamrock, Hoi An and Da Nang. Hey, welcome to Comeback. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and I am delighted to be at The Coca Project with Can Lin Lee. We're going to discuss business, chocolate, The Coca Project, Vietnam, and more, and I'm very excited for this. How are you, Can Lin? I'm good, thank you, Connor. Uh, a bit early, I have it's to very say. Early. I think, yeah, just for, like, for reference, for context, it's 7 a.m., I'm in The Coca Project. And it's possibly my earliest ever interview, yeah, which is you know, an achievement, so well done for making that landmark. Yeah. Can I ask you, I guess, just, just before we kind of delve really into the COCA project, a bit about your background in business. Can you tell me a bit more, because I believe you're French-Vietnamese. Yes, uh, so I am French, uh, my parents are Vietnamese, so I was born in France and educated in France. So I studied in a business school, so that's the earliest my background in business started. And um, yeah, business school in, in France, uh, HEC Paris. Then I started in consulting. Uh, after a few years, moved to Vietnam, worked for a corporate company, uh, AB InMeth, uh, in the beer industry. So um, yes, and after a few years on, uh, I, I started this. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of get some kind of overview, you were in the beer industry initially. What was that like? Beer industry in Vietnam is one of the most exciting industries that you could work for in Vietnam because you can obviously see when you're in the street that there's a strong beer culture, which was, um, I mean, which is which is very unique because in Hanoi you can see like they pour the like the fresh yeah, beer, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was a growing. It is a growing market. Uh, people do go out. It's a it's a culture where people like to go out. And being for a, a big player in the in the world, Ebin InBev has brands like Budweiser, Corona that are big everywhere in the world, but very small in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, very interesting to see like how a big company would approach a market like like Vietnam, where Absolutely, Heineken yeah. has been historically present. Yeah, and then moving into the coffee business, uh, that's also quite saturated in Vietnam. You can't go anywhere without a coffee shop. What was that like moving from the beer industry to the coffee industry? Well, actually, I would say that it's more the 
chocolate industry ah. <laughs> or, or the cacao industry. Um, well, I think in, in the end it's the same thing that I liked in, in both places. Like the reason why I went to the beer industry is because I like flavor, I like taste, I like products that bring people together. Um, but in the, it's very different being in a corporate I mean, ABN is one of the biggest FMCG companies that you could work for, and like it's uh, um, very well structured. Uh, the company is super well thought through. Uh, so the, the biggest gap was going from this uh, large corporation to uh, something that we created from from scratch. From Absolutely. Yeah. And what you did create from scratch was the Cocoa Project. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about how that began? Um, well, the desire to work in chocolate has been a uh, long-lasting one. So it's been years, uh, literally, like even before I moved to Vietnam, before I worked in the in the beer industry, my initial desire was to work for the chocolate industry. So um, I, I always had, in general, this uh, attraction for um, uh, taste, flavors, uh, product that take craft uh, that you that take a, a know-how uh, even be it beer wine spirits or in my case chocolate like I've always had this fascination for uh, products that have a long history that have humans have learned how to master and hone the process so um, it's true for beer but it's also true for chocolate like it's it's a tradition of uh, um, enjoying this product, the tradition for enjoying this product is like thousands uh, year yeah. old. What, why does that fascinate you, if I may ask? Why you like products that have thousands of years of history behind them and different ways of evolving? Why does that interest you? Why has it? Mm, in general, I, I like going from something that is uh, simple and um, Ubiquitous, uh, like a product that you yeah, enjoy sure. every everywhere, yeah, uh, and and digging deep into okay, why is it special? Why should it be enjoyed that way? And if it has thousands of years, then first there is the history behind it about like, okay, do you know that the chocolate started from uh, uh, Mexico, then was brought by the uh, the, the Spanish con um, uh, conquistador to Europe? So there's a long history behind that. That is interesting to see the travel of the. Yeah, the product of the crop in the in the world um, and then because because this process is long then it's interesting like it has been developed so then it's like I, mean, I think there's like uh, 20 something steps to make chocolate yes and so different ways to make it as well so I, I just enjoy the diversity absolutely and obviously it's different in each place you go to Vietnam specifically why is chocolate unique to Vietnam um, well, I think chocolate is unique to each different places, yes. but uh, why is, uh, is it particularly interesting in, in Vietnam to me? Um, well, Vietnam is a very small country in the, in like, in the whole map of uh, chocolate. I think the production of cacao in Vietnam is like less than 1% uh, of the world production, when actually in, um, in in general, if you look at all the chocolate that is produced in the world, like I think it's 65% that comes from two countries in West Africa. 
So it, it lacks diversity actually. And you would go to this plantation or you see photos of this plantation, it's like monocrop culture, lines of cacao. So this is not really exciting to me because it's like a very mass, uh, you could, it could be a rubber industry. Whereas in Vietnam, um, so first it's uh, more like a niche wear one. Uh, not so famous, like I, I like it's it's present, but it's not the main crop, like uh, coffee, for example. Yeah, sure. Um, its flavor are very unique and, and special compared to the one that you would have from West Africa. So it has a fruity flavor that is quite distinctive. So um, and also when you visit the farms of cacao in Vietnam, it has nothing to compare with what you could see in other places of the world. Like these are small uh, family-owned plantation, like one hectare, which is like super small. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I mean, people are talking about you know uh, thousands of hectares usually for a plantation. And so this is just a, a different way to, to grow it. So For sure. And does this take place across Vietnam, things that we wouldn't quite be aware of? As in, will there be small plantations across Vietnam developing the chocolate that we don't quite know about? Um, I'm not sure I get your question. So your question is, uh, are cocoa plantation, cacao plantation all over Vietnam? Yes. No, it's not. Ah, okay. <laughs> because it depends on the, on the temperature. Right, I see. So not all temperatures are suitable for growing cacao. Some are more suitable than others. So actually in Vietnam, you'd find most uh, in uh, southeast, uh, like Phung uh, Tao or um, Mekong Delta, like Benche, where uh, our supplier has their um, has their post-harvest uh, center where the farmers drop their uh, their cacao, uh, and it can be you can have some as well in the coffee uh, region. Right, I see. Yeah, and in terms of then the cocoa project, in terms of your manifesto, how would you describe it? Um, our our belief and what we stand for, right? Yeah. Um, so whenever. Uh, people ask me about, okay, what is behind? It's our tagline, so it's uh, chocolate for the people, which is very uh, simple and easy to remember, which is <laughs> helpful for uh, me and the whole team, I guess. So what, what stands behind chocolate for the people is we believe that anyone can enjoy chocolate, uh, that it shouldn't be a luxury product that it, it's something that can be a simple part of people's daily life. Like it's a, it's a simple pleasure that like my best moments are when I see kids in the shop and they enjoy and they smile. So this is uh, the, the first thing. Uh, second, behind chocolate for the people, is when I mean chocolate, I mean actually good chocolate. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, we mean a chocolate uh, that is uh, uh, made with love, uh, made in the right way, a, a process that has been carefully thought through, uh, that uh, is not uh, full of sugar. So it is uh, about good quality products. And uh, lastly, it's about chocolate for the people. It's not only the people enjoying it, yeah. but it's also the people being part of that process. So 
um, at the very beginning, the farmers, then the people involved in the, in the value chain of the chocolate, and at the end, even uh, our team members, because uh, I mean, it takes, uh, it, it just takes a lot of uh, love to make a good uh, product, of and it should be served also with, uh, you know, a smile. Yeah. Behind that, so behind these three things about, um, about uh, should be uh, enjoyed by everyone, uh, should be good for the next generation and for the, the current people, so basically being uh, sustainable, uh, and being made with uh, care. So in the background of this, there is this desire to create a product that the Vietnamese people will love, that the locals will love, because it's not part of their daily consumption. So as I, I mentioned before, the culture of beer, yes. uh, or I mean, the culture of coffee in Vietnam, uh, I think that the culture of chocolate is uh, yet to be created. And so this is, our take, uh, you know, our contribution to Absolutely, getting yeah. started. Is it, is it difficult to do that though, where it's not quite developed like beer or coffee, for example, so you're not on your own, but it's obviously more limited being in chocolate. Is that more tricky or does it make you stand out more? Um, well, well, I would say that this makes us stand out more. Uh, so, because it, it, I mean, there's not so many chocolates, uh, I, I call it, uh, I mean, the easy way for people to remember is a chocolate coffee shop, but I would say a cocoa shop. So there's not so many cocoa shops out there. So it's, I guess, when we opened, people spread the words by saying, oh, there's a, a one new place about chocolate. So yeah. It was not only about uh, the way our place was designed, or I mean, we do serve coffee as well. So yeah, it sure. was more about okay, there's a new place about chocolate out there. So yeah. So let, let's let's get a try. And two things that we mentioned, which I want to ask a bit more about. Uh, one is design. The next is sustainability, mm -hmm. and they both can link, I suppose, because uh, as I was looking into the Coca project, I saw the mirrors, and that kind of adds to the whole atmospheric feeling. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a bit more about the sustainability approach that you take? The sustainability approach, uh, I mean, it's everywhere in our project. You can, you can see it, and, and I'm glad you could see it in our mirrors. So maybe for, the, for people who haven't visited yet the Coco project, which I'm sure there are many. <laughs> <laughs> so the, our mirrors are made from recycled plastic uh, by plastic people. And uh, it's one of the several pieces of furniture that plastic people have helped us uh, built from recycled plastic, which is the most visible, but definitely not the only one aspect of sustainable design that we have in the place, uh, because we worked with a sustainable uh, architecture firm to design that place. So sure. I mean, there it's a T3 sustainable architect, so like you couldn't really <laughs> be mistaken about what they're about. And in the way that they designed the place, uh, sustainability has been their first uh, their their primary concern. So um, how they brought sustainability into their design, and then I will talk about how it's related with our chocolate that also aims to be sustainable. Mm. Uh, so um, their approach when they visited the place, about which they were very excited, so they could see good volumes, they could see that the place 
uh, even though it was very gloomy and it had a lot of um, plaster, a lot of walls, they, they could see the potential. And when they dug, they, they found some remnants of the house it had been in the 1915-1960s. And so for them, it's part of their approach of of promoting rehabilitation rather than uh, building from scratch because it's much less uh, costly for the environment to build over uncover something rather than uh, scratching and you know bringing material uh, creating new bricks so this is the main message that they want to promote right i see like I've been here and I've seen the atmosphere. How would you describe it to someone who's not been to the Coco project in terms of the atmosphere that you can see when you walk in? How would you describe that? I would describe it as a blend of uh, industrial uh, and rehabilitated Vietnamese house, <laughs> which I, probably uh, the, the architects would have a better answer than uh, than this one. But yeah, it's uh, it's industrial, uh, M2B row, and quite. Uh, quite uh, pure, uh, there is uh, a lot of space, so it's airy, um, and at the same time the furniture that we chose are typical uh, Vietnamese furniture, so um, I mean typical, uh, not stereotypical, yeah, but yeah. So these, are, uh, these are objects that we found in the uh, vintage uh, furniture shop, rather, sure. and as much as possible, rather than building something from new materials. Yeah, it sounds like two of the main themes that are at the heart of, I guess, your mission are sustainability and community. Would you say that's correct? Um, definitely, uh, sustainability uh, is at the heart uh, of our project and community uh, is also something that we care a lot about. When, when, I, when I think about the heart of our project, it's really this tagline of uh, chocolate for the people, yeah, because yeah. these are the different angles. So creating a local culture with, um, with flavors that will attract locals to enjoy chocolate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the other hand, uh, the sustainability. And so it, it brings me back to how our chocolate is sustainable and, and how, wh why would you think that chocolate uh, is or is not sustainable? Mm. The reason <laughs> is that most chocolate uh, you are eating everywhere is not. So the 65% the of uh, chocolate and of cacao produced in West Africa that does most of the chocolate in the world, it's, it's really poor actually. The, mm. the deforestation that it causes, the fact that they, that over there, it's, manu it's um, harvested in monocrop culture is, is quite damaging for both the environment and the local communities. I, I yeah, mean, sure. you, you know about the poverty in, this, uh, in these regions. So um, you can actually make chocolates in, uh, in a different way. Can you tell me a bit more about the process behind chocolate and sustainability, like what actually goes into making it sustainable, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so the first step comes from which farms you're choosing and how you choose to grow cacao. So uh, I mentioned monocrop culture, which means uh, 
farms where you only grow cacao, which um, is uh, well neatly organized, like you can you have visions of the of the organized plantation, but then it's actually uh, detrimental for the soil. So it's much better for the soil to have uh, several cultures um, on the same on the same land. So it means a bit less cacao, so it's a bit less uh, efficient in terms of making chocolate. So, but uh, it's. Uh, more enriching for the soil, it will stay fertile for a longer time. Right, I see. So that, that's the first step, is like how you grow it. And then there, there is uh, how much fertilizer you choose to use to grow your cacao. So of course the less fertilizer, the less uh, poor your soil becomes. And so the, the, this is the first dimension about uh, how you choose to farm it. And like, does it cause deforestation? Are, are not. In Vietnam, luckily, it does not. Um, second is uh, about the price that you pay for the farmers, uh, because in everywhere else in the world, uh, cacao is a, um, is a commodity, basically. So it's quite tough for, for farmers that, uh, to see the price fluctuating and to not be sure whether they should invest in that crop uh, or not. And so um, how our chocolate ours here is sustainable is because we choose a um, certified uh, program that is Cacao Trace, that is the program of our chocolate supplier. And what stands behind Cacao Trace, it's uh, the fact that instead of buying cacao as a dry, uh, you know, dry cacao, yeah. Uh, we buy wet cacao from the from the from the farmer, and then we master the 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 process from wet cacao to chocolate. Whereas most of the industry will care only about the dry cacao. Yeah, I see. And I'm naive as I'm not too familiar with these terms. Uh, how long would it take then to go through that process? <laughs> That's a very good question. Actually, in the industry. From the moment that the pod is harvested to the moment the chocolate arrives, <laughs> I mean, is, is produced, yeah. it can take up to two years. Yeah, you can know, I mean, uh, and I, I can describe the different steps. So you have the step where you harvest the, the cacao, then it usually would be fermented in not a great way. Uh, I mean, in a, in a random way, let's say it would be fermented in a random way, just deposited at the bottom of the of the tree and and fermented there. Then uh, collected, then stored, then the trader would wait uh, how is the curve of the commodity going uh, and this, this, in this moment it can wait up to one year. Uh, then it's grinded, then it's ground, uh, transformed into cocoa liquor, then into chocolate. So that's like all the steps from your cacao to your chocolate. Uh, so this can take up to two years, whereas in Vietnam, this is uh, also one of the things that make Vietnam special as a cacao growing country. Is it's a country where you have both the cacao plantation and you have the cho I mean the chocolate factory uh, in a very near location. So actually, in Vietnam, you can make chocolate from uh, cacao harvested uh, less than sixty days. Wow. Uh, ago. So this is quite a big difference and you can enjoy fresh chocolate. 
Yeah, that's huge. I can't believe the difference from, say, 60 days to two years. That seems extraordinary when you kind of compare. Yeah, actually, you can taste the difference. So that's, oh, that's okay. the interesting thing. I mean, you take a random chocolate and you can take your, the 60 days chocolate. Of course, it would have the specificity of the Vietnam, um, of the Vietnam uh, chocolate, which yeah, would be yeah. uh, uh, fruity, a little bit uh, acidic. But if you compare even a regularly made chocolate and the chocolate make, made in 60 days, where you actually track the time, yeah. you, can, you can sense how different it is. What can you sense? Is it, is it, as you mentioned, more fruity and a bit more acidic? Or are there any other ways you could distinguish between the two? Uh, between, well, for two Vietnamese, the two chocolate made in Vietnam, yes, you can. Yeah. The, um, it's more powerful. So you, if you had like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't see if you, I don't know if you can see a spider chart yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, the different dimensions. So it's like fruity, but a bit more fruity. It's uh, you have a taste of chocolate, but a bit more taste of chocolate. The 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 mouth stay, uh, the length in mouth yes. is uh, also longer. So it's like it it wasn't as if. It was a brighter color. Absolutely, yeah. And I guess this leads me onto the challenges section because it can't be easy running the Cocoa Project in many ways because I feel like for any business there are going to be challenges and it's part of the show. So mm. can I ask you about some of the challenges you faced with the Cocoa Project, some of the main ones, and how have you managed to navigate them? Oh, yeah, it's a challenging question in the sense that there were many challenges yeah. and I don't know which one to choose. Which one do I choose? <laughs> Um, well, it was definitely difficult to launch this project, which was conceived before COVID. Uh, so it was difficult to uh, not have this place being the way it is. Um, I mean, before that, it was a big construction uh, uh, works, and it lasted like this for a few months, like almost a year. Uh, because this is a long step and the design took time, uh, the construction also took time uh, in the middle of which there was the pandemic. there was the <laughs> pandemic. Uh, we also had big ambitions for that place. We wanted to have a chocolate line factory running, but it was unseen before, so no one really know, knew how to how to handle that. So definitely the, the pre-launch phase was a complicated one because we were creating something that we had not seen before, that we, we had the idea of, but we were not even sure it could turn out okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and to, tell the, to, to tell you the truth, actually, before, before even the pandemic, I mean, not the lockdown of 20... 21, but before the start of the pandemic, the, this project was meant to be a museum. So we even had to change what our project was meant to be. Initially, we wanted to make a, a chocolate museum where we would share with the people uh, the, the history I, I mentioned about chocolate, about uh, um, its uh, Mexican origins, uh, its travel to go to Europe, the specificities of Vietnam, so it's very clear that we wanted to tell that story about how you make chocolate. And in the end, rather than telling a story, so it's more like 
it's show rather than tell or taste rather than tell. I right, guess. yeah. Have you managed to combine it though? Because if you go downstairs, you can see, like, not quite like a museum, but you can see like the historical significance. So you've almost managed to combine it in a way. Yeah, I, yeah. I will add some more zones <laughs> of uh, explanation. Yeah, just yeah. To <laughs> a bit more information, a couple of artifacts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's at the soul of our project. Like the, the desire to share our passion for chocolates with people. Yeah. And so that's the reason why the details are thought through and there will be more explanation so that people can uh, click and understand, okay, what is behind that chocolate? And yeah. I think the panels are meant also for people to, the big realization that we want people to make and not on the panel, but in the garden is that, did you know that chocolate comes from a fruit? <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, cacao is a fruit right, I that see. comes from a flower, yeah. the cacao flower. <laughs> nice, okay, yeah. You're getting to see lessons from every corner of this place and I think that's why it's going to do well. Um, can I speak about the, I guess, the favourite parts or the highlights? Like, what have been some of your favourite parts on your journey so far with the Coca project? The favourite part of the journey were first the uh, idea. So. Even the idea of making a museum, I, I loved it. And then pivoting this idea to be a place where we would create a culture of chocolate. I mean, it has always been meant as a place to create a culture of chocolate, but through uh, F&B concept in this case. So the, the ideation part is the one I, I enjoyed the most. Um, and it's and the second moment I like the most is when I see people in the shop reacting to what we're proposing. So, um, I mean, and sometimes they don't always uh, like it. I mean, I, it's it, it it happened. Of course, most of the time they seem to enjoy the design, uh, enjoy their experience, curious about what they want to order. Um, but I I just love looking the looking at the way people react to what you're creating and when they understand that we are trying to bring new drinks of flavors of a different kind, like not just your average um, piece of chocolate, but something that blends with the Vietnamese culture. Yeah. Um, like they can feel that probably on the products like the turmeric mandian uh, that is a very local flavor. So um, yeah, these are, these are the two things I enjoy the most. Yeah, for sure. And the next two questions are somewhat interlinked. So I will ask the first one, which is, where do you see the future of chocolate going in Vietnam? Well, I hope that this project is contributing to developing the future of chocolate in Vietnam. Uh, and that it will go in the direction that craft beers have brought to the local, I mean, to the, the current beer market. So our specialty coffee has brought to coffee. Uh, I, I hope that this project with other chocolate products, uh, pro projects out there uh, will help to create a culture of chocolate where people actually enjoy more, take the time to enjoy the flavor to understand where the product comes from, enjoy it uh, mindfully, let's say, uh, or there could be creativity. So um, we are going to launch a series of 
uh, other flavors for our mondial, our truffle, our, our future chocolate tablets. And, and this will be surprising flavors because we are really just testing and trying and seeing like what, what, what is it that will make the Vietnamese people crave for, for more chocolate. The way I have strong memories about chocolate from my childhood. So um, I hope that the chocolate industry will be will evolve more towards more creativity and more uh, specialty, more uh, caring as well about where the product comes from. Absolutely. And the second question, which was linked to that, it's about you specifically with the Coca project. Where do you see yourself going, and what would you like to achieve? So um, this. Uh, this is a very tough question <laughs> because for a long time where we saw ourselves going was here able to open which was so uncertain for the longest time and and now that we have opened um, well the, the big the big picture is always about contributing to creating this culture of chocolate in Vietnam where uh, we will invent new flavors or maybe new products, new way of enjoying chocolate that the Vietnamese people will love. Uh, so I would love for this place to be um, to be one of different different ways people will enjoy uh, chocolate. So um, I like a, a brand that for them is related to quality, creative, interesting chocolate experiences. Excellent. And that's a very good message to end on, Kanlin. Uh, one question that I've started asking guests just before, before we end is, is there a question that I've not asked you that you wish I had? Yeah, it's uh, actually um, an interesting question could have been, uh, how did you end up uh, there, like what made this um, project uh, possible? How could the transition from beer to chocolate happen? Yeah. Because actually, it's uh, it's an interesting story that I will share with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, please tell me then. How did the transition <laughs> from from beer to coffee happen? How could it happen? Uh, from uh, beer to chocolate. Uh, how how did that happen? So really, it's uh, about luck. So. Um, I, I, I mentioned that I always had this dream of uh, working in, in chocolate, but in the end, life took, brought me to working in the beer industry uh, in Vietnam. So uh, it had been a few years that I was there and I had almost forgotten that I wanted to, to work uh, in, that, uh, in chocolate specifically. And one day, uh, so I was going to run a, a race and someone asked me, but actually, is it what you really want to do? And I, I remember this email that my niece sent to me when I, I told her my, my like, at that time, 12 years old niece. Uh, she, she sent to me, but uh, auntie, I don't understand. Why do you work in beer and not in chocolate? <laughs> I still have that email. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, it was my dream, and, it, and so I remember, uh, yeah, actually, it's true, my dream is to work in chocolate, and I said that out loud. And then the next day, in the bus that took me at the start of the race, um, I met this person who had been working in the chocolate industry for a few decades, and he told me, oh, yeah, I, I, start, I started my chocolate company in Vietnam, uh, 
30 years ago, um, so yeah, that's what I do. Wow, <laughs> and so, yeah, this person became my investor, and so it was, it's one of these moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know, destiny is knocking at your Things door. make sense, yeah. yeah. Especially like the simple message of just an email from a, a 12 year old saying, Why don't you work in chocolate? And you think, Yeah, why don't I? <laughs> I? I had similar with the podcast actually. I was doing blog interviews, written, yeah. and then someone said, Why not a podcast? And I, They hit me, yeah, of course you should start a podcast. So it's one of those, <laughs> sometimes it's all we need really, just a simple message and also just to speak to somebody and then you can find someone who knows what they're doing, for example, in the chocolate industry and just go from there. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I, I love like how, at the time that, that question really put me on the spot because I, yeah. I, I was, uh, I mean, I was moving to Vietnam and it was, I was really excited about like working in the beer industry in Vietnam. It's yeah. an exciting industry, as I said before, but receiving this email from my niece Um, 12 years old telling me why don't you work in chocolate I, I wanted to tell her but you know life is complicated like yeah. life is complicated for grown ups like we have to make choices yeah and there's always a sacrifice with those choices for yeah. example it might be easier to do beer maybe I don't know exactly but then you know you have to follow what you really are passionate about and if that is chocolate go for it uh, yeah and uh, I'm lucky in the end like thanks to her that I could remember that later on and then when people put me on the spot on the second time, I, yeah. I thought about it, so yeah. <laughs> it does sound cheesy, but I think following what you really want to do, like following your genuine passion intention can be the most rewarding going forward, because even if something goes wrong, you went for it, you actually did try and see what you got. Oh yes, um, at, at some point, I, actually I can relate to that, because after I met that person, uh, Grisha, in the, uh, in the bus, I didn't contact him right away and uh, it was evident I should contact him and he wanted me to get in touch with him, like he could sense that I had the passion. Yeah. But uh, I didn't because I was a bit afraid, like I was a bit afraid to chasing the dream for yeah. real and like that uh, or that I would try and then it would fail, uh, it can always fail but you, you're afraid of that or yeah, of that you try and then after all it's not really your passion so it's nicer to keep your passion in the back of your mind. So yeah, I, 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 I can understand uh, this and I, I, I do recommend giving a try to your, to your wildest dream Definitely. just just yeah. for this just to see what happens exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i can relate to that where it's safe having it here in the background once you actually do it you think, no it's real now i have to follow through like was it that email that literally gave you the the snap moment to actually do it was it that email or was there anything else and to actually do it was at different steps but what 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 made me i mean For me, it's not something that you do easily to reach out for something different when you're actually engaging your career path in your yeah, current course, company. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there was a bit of that. Like I, I, I didn't maybe want to explore too many things when I was supposed to be 100% on my job. And I... No, I think it was more... Uh, I knew I had to do it and you just had to uh, sip for a few, a few weeks and until the, the realization that uh, this opportunity might just not ever happen again, that yeah. you beat the right person at the right, at the strange place, <laughs> at the strange moment. 
uh, in a way that you can change your trajectory. Excellent. I think just to end on Canlin, I'll give you the microphone, I suppose. Uh, why should we come to the Coco project? This is like your chance to say why we should come and what's unique about it. Why should we come to Coco? Why should you come to Coco project in the wonderful district free of Hoshimin yes. uh, City? Well, to enjoy a unique, a unique creative chocolate experience. So whether you're a chocolate lover uh, and you are curious to try different type of chocolate experiences or whether you're a Vietnamese person that somehow has knows about chocolates but doesn't enjoy your average Kit Kat or it's not just part of your your day-to-day -day habits. Yeah. If you come here, you will get to try something different. Of course, we have the regulars, uh, uh, mocha, classic dark chocolate. Uh, by the way, it's the rainy season now, so it's it starts to be the time when you can really enjoy a cup of warm, hot mm. chocolate. But also, you get to you can see uh, the new things that we are we are creating our take on Vietnamese. Uh, local food culture and how we blend it with uh, chocolate. There is this this product that we want to launch. That is, uh, it's it's complicated to do, but we really want to do projects such as a chocolate ban bao, for example. Yeah. Uh, so something that the, the 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 people know about, but never had the idea to, yeah. or or rarely had the idea to merge with chocolate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a. Uh, it's an ex of course it's a must go for chocolate lovers, but it's also a must try for anyone who wants to see whether they could enjoy a different type of chocolate experience. Yeah, I love that. I must go for chocolate lovers and a must try for those who are not. I think that's great. And I also want to try chocolate bambo. Now that you've mentioned it, <laughs> I feel like I'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I come in the next few weeks and, and, yeah. and we are pushing hard for this. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. Uh, just before we leave, thank you very much, Canlin. I've really enjoyed this and I really can see how passionate you are about the project. So I wish you all the very best with it moving forward and thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Connor. <laughs> thank you for your question.